Welcome to Life Church Bath, and thank you for choosing this message. If you'd like to learn and hear more about who we are and what we get up to, please go to our website at lifechurchbath.com. Enjoy the message. Well, Life Church Bath, Happy New Year. We kick off this year. Um, with a sermon series. Um, as you know, we've uh, put the slides out. We sent it out to you guys. We're going to be going through the book of Revelation versus, yay, we get some yays already. Come on. The Pentecostal front row is alive and kicking, guys. <laughs> let, me tell you, um, let me tell you why we're going to go into this book for the next seven weeks as a church. Revelations 2 and 3 is the church after God's own heart. This is the one time where Jesus gives a definitive statement of issues he wants the church to embrace and which he values and affirms and the issues that he wants his church to be purified from. It's the only time in scripture that he himself lays it out clearly with his own lips that these letters are just like they should be in your Bible where you see the red letters of the Gospels. This is the words of Jesus to the church. Are you ready? Are you ready? Father, we are here. We are expectant. Father, we give you this sermon series for you to do everything that you want it to do. Father, we repent where we have given our own opinions of what we believe church should be. It's not our church, it's yours. And you are leading us. You are building us, and we are following you. Father, would you use the words that you've given us, which were written thousands of years ago, to be just as alive today, and that the word would do its job, like a double-edged sword, to challenge, equip, convict, Father, we're willing to, we're, we want to be convicted by you today. We want to be the church that you paid for and that we want to know exactly what is on your heart so that we can represent your heart in these days. Amen. Amen. So I'm going to, I want to just quickly lay just a little bit of a foundation of, of what the, um, of what the seven letters are about, why they're in Revelation, who wrote them, and just to give some contextual understanding so that as we then go through the story, there'll be themes that will be picked up through all of the sermons, and you'll understand why. Is that okay, guys? So, um, you know that this is Revelation 1, 2, and 3. I mean, there's many other chapters, but really 1, 2, and 3 is what we're going to be looking at. But this book was a letter written by Apostle John to the seven churches of Asia Minor that we would call Turkey now, okay? Like the book of the book to Corinthians or the Ephesians, um, they went to the church of Corinth or the church of Ephesus. It, it was written for the same purpose. Um, and I actually have a map to show you. I'll put it up in a minute, actually. I won't put it up just now. But you can see um, where the letters were being written to and why they were being written. But chapter 1 is really the, the um, introduction and context to the entire book of Revelation because it is John who is in prison in Patmos he gets a vision and sees Jesus, and Jesus tells John in Revelation 1, write down every word that I'm about to tell you. 
That's why these are the words of Jesus. Um, Apostle John, why was he in um, Patmos? Well, he was imprisoned. And for every other disciple that was the follower of the 12, um, other than Judas who hanged himself, the other 10 were all martyred, where, where John was not martyred. Um, a historian actually said that he was thrown into a cauldron of hot oil and he continued to preach and would not die. So they pulled him out and then didn't know what to do with him. And then the emperor, sorry, see, uh, Emperor Caesar, help me. Caesar sent him away and he was put into prison in Patmos. You know, it, and then if you think John is in prison, Jesus finds him in that prison. You know, it doesn't matter where you are. It doesn't matter how you are this morning and what you've come in with and what you're thinking about this year, what last year was about. Jesus can find you. Jesus is here. And if you want him, he's willing to come in. These seven churches, I'm going to put the map up. Thank you so much. If you put that, can you see um, on the bottom left-hand corner is Patmos, which is an island just um, obviously off the coast of Turkey. And then straight away, the nearest town, city that you can see is Ephesus. And then it goes up to Smyrna, Pergamum, um, Thyatira, Sardis, Philadelphia, and Laodicea. So like in a clockwise motion, we're going to be going through each letter. And the letter starts, first one, Revelation 2 is the um, church of Ephesus. And the, in every part of these letters, out of the seven letters to these churches, um, there are four parts to each letter. Now, there's two that are missing one, but that's okay. But each letter has an encouragement. Everyone say encouragement. It has a correction. It has an instruction. And then has a promise. And we're going to make comments on these, but I want you to realize that this is how Jesus is speaking to the church. And if he spoke to the church in Revelation in Asia Minor, it's no different to how Jesus is speaking to us this morning. You know, there are many names for us as we gather. Ecclesia is a beautiful one, a community of believers. But Paul writes also the description of, of the church, and one of them is that we are an army. And what an ar how an army is different to someone as an individual is that when you come in together like here and we are together, we fall into rank and we're an army. And so that how we hear the Lord individually is different to when we come together corporately because he's speaking to every single one of us, me included. And so as we hear this, as a, as a church in a city called Bath that is part of the church over the city, all of us, as we hear these words and as we walk out our faith, we are going to hear and we're going to listen and we're going to see how the Lord is encouraging us, challenging us, instructing us, counseling us, all of these things are going to be melting all at the same time. And I know that the Holy Spirit is going to speak to us corporately and individually as we go through this. There are um, a number of ways that 
I mean, if you talk about, we could easily talk about, well, then how do you read the book of Revelation? Some see um, even these parts, the first three parts, they, some see it as church history, and some say that this is like a timeline from the resurrection of Christ to the second coming of Christ. Some say that the, the book of Ephesians, the first one, is, was the letter to the first church two to three hundred years after it was written, and through history, the church has gone from church to church. And, and, and of course, the writers that believe that believe that we are in the last days, so we are the church of Laodicea. That is one way of looking at it. They'll, they'll also say that those seven letters were written to those literal churches, but they're not for the end time church. They were just for those churches then. The last way um, I'm going to share, and this is how I see it and how I am bringing this sermon series to you guys is that those letters were for the seven churches, and they're also for us right now. No different than if we read the book of Corinthians or Ephesians. The challenges and the words of God are not changing, but these churches that God is highlighting, it's highlighting not because he wants you to go, what did they do? He's highlighting all seven of these churches is because he's asking us, this is who we are to become. So, to receive, because if you notice also at the end of every letter, Jesus tells John to write, those with ears can hear and those with eyes see. Which after every letter is an invitation for all of us not to maybe fall into the habit of just going, well, I've heard this story before and I know what Jonathan's going to say because I've heard it 500 times. It's asking the Spirit of God to speak to you and to show you with your eyes what he is talking about. Because right now, does not the church, we the church, do you think that, okay, let me reverse, sorry, reverse. I've never, I've never been through a season, and I wonder if you could say it's because I'm in church leadership. But I've never heard so much opinions of what the church should be rather than actually hearing the words of how Jesus has called it to be. Now, I am not saying that we don't discuss and we don't, you know, work things out. And I'm not saying that opinions are wrong. But I want us to get back to the minimum standard, the bar of what Jesus is saying, what he wants from us. Is that okay? There... We don't have time to go through Revelation 1, and you can read it, you know, you can read it whenever. But there are two, um, there are two symbols that is um, repeated time and time again out of all these seven letters. And it's the lampstand, and, the, and seven lampstands, and seven stars. And why this is so interesting and important, and I could read you just quickly Revelation 1.20, and this is John describing, he's just described who Jesus is talking to him and what he looks like. And as he is telling him to write these words, he sees with his eyes, he says in verse 20, as for the mystery of the seven stars that you see in my right hand. So Jesus is saying, I'm holding seven stars and seven golden lampstands. The seven stars are the angels of the seven churches and the seven lampstands are the seven churches. Really quick, the stars, many people believe this, that the stars were actually the leaders of the churches of each, of the seven churches. And 
there's the description of the star is also the angel. Now, I'll say it right now. No one in this room is to call me an angel. But the point is that when you look at the word messenger and how um, uh, three of the Gospels describe John the Baptist as being the messenger, the word messenger is the same for stars. And in Daniel, it took, he, there's, Daniel it, this, there's a verse in Daniel that says, those who lead people into righteousness will shine like stars. So there's a context, these stars, these, Jesus is holding the leaders in the palm of his hands so that he can speak closely to them. And then the lampstands, well, you guys have ever been camping and you got no power, how important are little lights inside a tent? See, the lampstands, they are the church. You have the, the four parts of the church, instruction, correction, encouragement, all that stuff. But the image of the lampstand, which I, I, the lampstand in my mind I always picture is a very tall, um, thin lampstand. And there's oil in the base of the lampstand. And the, 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 heart, the, the, the clockwise turning of the dial releases the wick with oil and the light gets brighter. You guys agree? I'm not inventing something here. This has been around for a long time. It's, it's about the light and how much light. And why is Jesus describing us, Life Church Bath, the church of Bath, as a lampstand? He's describing us this morning as a lampstand. It's because we are not the light, but we hold the light. We are not the light, but we hold the light. Jesus said you don't light a lamp and put it under a basket. No, you put it high on a lampstand. The higher the light in the lampstand is raised, greater is the kingdom expressed and prevailed throughout this city. So going back to that analogy of that we as an army, when we gather when God sees us through these, through these chapters, he sees a light. And the brightness of the light is dependent on all of us becoming who Jesus has called us to be. So this is stepping outside of individual opinion, individual, well, this is my plan, this is where I'm going. We are all in the same boat because we're one as an army. And that we all are to fall in line. And you know that it, that, that instantly puts, and, and for those who have done army training or watched movies, whatever, if there's an emphasis on looking to your left and right and helping your brother or sister to be at the right standard to be a part of this army. So even as we go through this, I want to put a challenge to us as a church that when it comes to speaking into one and each other's lives through discipleship, through, through, through the word, through friendship, what you are actually doing is making the light brighter in one another so that when we gather, we are brighter. You guys see? And if you remember Ephesus is as we went through the book of Acts last year, if you guys remember um, Acts um, 19, this is where Paul on his travels went to Ephesus and he stayed here for three years. This is the longest time that he stayed in one place. 
And if you remember, I mean, this is where revival broke out, where before the great move of God, out of the fear of the Lord, of repentance, I mean, it describes that the, the word of the Lord prevailed over this city, that you see, if you remember, a city bringing their witchcraft and sorcery books and idols and having a bonfire in the center of the city. And it said that about the cost of the burning was over five million pounds today. It was an extravagant response to going back to Jesus. And then we have the book of Ephesians in our Bibles. We see that this church, my goodness, did they understand a spiritual authority. They could spot false apostles. They brought order and structures to things. They had good order, great government. But as we're about to read Jesus' letter to this church, they had lost their passion for Jesus. Are you ready to read the first letter? I can take four people with me. That's absolutely fine. That's fine. Lock the doors, please. Okay, Revelation 2, guys. To the angel of the church of Ephesus. So, again, this is the leader of the church. Now, we know Timothy was the leader of this church at one point. And then we also know Apostle John was the leader of this church at some point. So just imagine you're John. Jesus gives the first correction direction to the church, and you were the pastor of that church. Verse 2. These are the words of him who holds the seven stars in his right hand and walks among the seven golden lampstands. This is the encouragement. I know your deeds, your hard work, and your perseverance. I know that you cannot tolerate wicked people, that you have tested those who claim to be apostles but are not, and have found them to be false. You have persevered and have endured hardships for my name, and have not grown weary. This is, I mean, this is a testament to the spiritual discernment, authority, gift, and calling over this body of people. That they are, they're, they're behaving and moving just like Jesus would be, spotting false apostles, working hard and persevering through hardships. They've not let go of his name, and they haven't also, in the hardships and perseverance, they've not grown weary which is, um, is an amazing encouragement. They've protected their heart above all else. And then verse 4. Hold on to your seatbelts. Yet I hold this against you. You have fallen, you have forsaken the love you had at first. Consider how far you have fallen. Now, can you see that last bit, consider how far you have fallen? I want you to imagine, as Jesus is saying this to his church, to the lampstand, to a body of people, he's actually saying, you've fallen over, and you've fallen over so far and so long and so wide, you don't even know how far you've traveled in your stumbling. I don't know if you've seen, like, there's very funny clips you can watch online of just people, you know, just clipping something, and then it takes them 25 steps to recover. 
But if you imagine those 25 steps are actually leading you away from the assignment and the direction that the Lord had this church to go on. So this word that Jesus is saying is just not loose. It actually means that because you have fallen, you have fallen so far. And I love the principles of the conviction of the Holy Spirit when he speaks like this, how Jesus speaks to all of us in this room. When a correction is ever brought by the Holy Spirit, it's never a full stop after the last word. It's a comma, which is not condemnation, it's conviction, and there's always a way out. Church, whatever you are thinking about right now that you consider to be, maybe it's something that you has brought a, a barrier between you and the Lord, that you've brought from 2022 into 2023 with the sense of this is never going to change. I'm never going to be free of this. We have a heavenly father that doesn't only love us, but he is leading you out of anything that is not of him this morning. And I believe that there is, you can get everything that you need from the throne this morning. There is a lie that says that you need to do eight months of circus, circus acts to be able to get free from the Lord. If you want it, you can get it this morning. Number verse five, repent and do the things you did at first. Repent. Repent. Repent means change your mind. Change your mind. When was the last time you repented? What was the last thing you can think of um, in the last day, couple days, weeks, last year? What are some of the things that you repented of? Can you think of any? Where you acknowledged that you were wrong. And then as he goes on to say, and here's the promise, if you do not repent, I will come to you and remove your lampstand from its place. Now, just think about what Jesus has just said there in correlation to how I describe the importance and the imagery of a lampstand. Jesus is saying to the church of Ephesus, Jesus is saying to his church, Because you have lost your first love to me and you have fallen, I have to remove the lampstand because you will misrepresent and miscommunicate who I am to the world around you. You can't hold the light I gave you because it's not yours. And then in verse 6, he says, but you have this in your favor. You hate the practices of the Nicolaitans, which I also hate. Now, I'm going to talk about what the Nicolaitans were teaching in two weeks' time. So we'll keep going. But then verse 7, whoever has ears, let them hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To the one who is victorious, I will give the right to eat from the tree of life, which is the paradise of God. Again, another promise. If you, church, would obey and follow me out of this issue, your gift and your promise is that you get to eat from the tree of life, which is the paradise of God. 
So can you see that where there's a correction, there's instruction, and there is a reward if you go through the steps? You guys see that? Now let's bring this, if we, we've, if we take what we've heard and we make it live in this room, the question is, to all of us, have we lost our first love to Jesus? Now if you're a believer, I would say that you have unless you gave your life to the Lord this morning during worship. You know, we all, if we were to look back over the seasons in our lives following Jesus, it's not a straight line, and it's not a continual incline up a mountain. It has peaks and valleys. Is that just me? Because Jesus knows this, he writes this first in the first letter to us. Because the emphasis on these words are not, you've lost your first love, so Jesus is going to chase after you. What Jesus is saying is, because you've lost your first love, would you remember me again of what I have done for you? Would you remember the answers to prayer last year? Would you remember my faithfulness? Would you remember when this door was opened that was completely by you, God, that you couldn't have opened it in your own strength? Would you remember me? Would you remember what I have done for you? Can you imagine what Jesus was saying to the church in context of what I said that happened in Acts 19? Would you remember the revival that went through your city? Would you remember when thousands of people gave, you saw thousands of people come to know me because of the lampstand that you had in, the, in your house? It's remembering what he's done that gets us out of the cycle, the disconnect that maybe some of us are feeling right now towards the Lord. There's a, um, a danger when it comes to there's a danger where it comes to all of us in this room where we can get to a place with our work, walk with the Lord where actually our response to him in a subject like this is, well, God, you have my address. Well, God, you know where I am. I'm here. Well, God, you, you know what I've been going through. So I don't need to say what I've said or what's happening because you already know and I'm waiting for you. Come on. Now, I know no one in this room would ever say that. But I'm talking about maybe the things that are unsaid 
that we bring into our relationship with Jesus that we don't even know that is actually bringing a disconnect towards his love coming in and invading our hearts. I would, I would beg to say that us as a body, us as a city, us as a nation, what is going on in the world is so shaking. It is so... None of us have walked through these seasons before. We are all walking in a time where we don't know what we don't know. And it is so easy for us to be unaware that in the shaking, in the challenge, in the disappointment, that we lose, we, we leave our first love behind somewhere. And we can unintentionally make our relationship with the Lord all about just turning up on time on Sunday. And just being faithful and giving and doing everything and ticking all the boxes. Yeah, 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 I know he loves me. I know, yeah, yeah, I know. But I know that what Jesus is not just saying here, but what he's been saying throughout eternity, through his message, through God, is that he loves you. He's for you. He knows what you are carrying. And if we would trust him, maybe again, maybe for the first time, what we give up our heavenly father, who is our perfect father, as we see him as a father, we then can be a son and a daughter. I know, I know this, right? Because I, I, I live this in my home. R Ruth and I, we, we are in a covenant together. And that covenant was made by God. Marriage was God's idea. And I know that for the covenant, for the grace of marriage to work, I can't play by my rules. I have to play by his. And in a relationship, if there are things in the relationship, whether it be bitterness, unforgiveness, disappointment, rejection, miscommunication, whatever it is, if it's not brought into the light, it works against the flow of grace that he has promised. And because marriage is a really easy, um, it's a really easy thing to describe as a relationship because it's ultimately it's all about the picture of how Christ loves the church. But I mean, guys, like Ruth is my mirror. She shows me who I really am. And if I reject that, I'm rejecting her love. I'm rejecting the relationship, the, the actual walk that I signed up for because it was right. I love her. It's like this is, this is everything that God has designed. But if I reject it, I'm kind of saying that I know best. And look, I'll tell you what. Ruth and Jesus have got a pretty good partnership, and they have plans to expand. But if, if we separate the, in, the, the correction from our wives, our friends, if we just ignore what Jesus is saying right now to us, we are saying that we're better than him. 
we're saying that we know best. We're saying that, do you know what? Our pride is so strong that I don't actually need to follow you, Jesus. You remember the Holy Spirit is a leader, not a dictator. He will bring things to you and say, hey, are you, re- you ready to talk about this? And if you say no, he's like, no problem. You know where to find me. And I, I am convinced, like, there is, there, I mean, there's every generation represented in this room. You know, guys, like, we, it's a beautiful house to know that there is every age group in this house. The, the wisdom, the maturity, you know, from the little kids crawling around to the, 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 the sage wisdom that is in this house. We're an incredible family. We really are. But the problem sometimes with maturity is that you become impressed by your own growth. And we can fall into entitlement with Jesus and forget that on our very best days, it was all him. It was all him. I recently came across the, this um, passage in Deuteronomy. It, 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 the basic the Lord's saying to Israel, I chose you not because of your strength or your numbers or because of how good you were. I chose you because you were the very least. I chose you because you were the least. Returning to the first love, remembering that this is all about him, not you. That we're not, Jesus is not joining our story, we're joining his that we are joining his plans. He is Lord and Savior. That what he wants is best for us. His words are good and true. And he has nothing other than wanting to make you into the Jesus that God saw before you saw so that you can be everything that God called you to be. I believe that there is freedom for us this morning. You know, through the gift of repenting, it's a gift. It's a grace of, God, I admit that I've been trying to tell you what to do. Out of protection, out of fear, out of shame, out of disappointment. And the guys, for us to grow... For us to stand in the authority and the identity that he has called us to be as an army. It only works when we die to ourselves. When we repent in humility. And that we say, Jesus, what you want, not what I want. I... I've got this love-hate relationship, um, and in, I'm, I'm submitting it to all of you here to speak into my life here. I get really, um, I get frustrated when it comes to January 1 from a leader, leadership point of view from a church because the feeling of, well, what's God saying in, God, what's God saying in 2023? And I, guys, I know that he is speaking. He's going to speak through us this verse. My concern for me personally, and this is only my walk, is that I, we can 
fall into a trap where we put our expectation that God works within our calendar year rather than that he's saying the same thing to us. Jesus, if you want to grow in 2023, you, we just need to obey the last thing that he told us to do. And if it, that thing was in 2022, it's relevant right now. Now, we're on a journey ourselves. Now, don't get me wrong, that going back to the army thing, we have an assignment to be the lampstand that God has called us to be in this city. But that only works when we ourselves go through the repentance journey of putting him first again. That in this moment, we are just a son and a daughter who needs a dad. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all things shall be added to you. Every action, every thought, every ambition, every possession, everything about our lives are to seek first the absolute dominion of a perfect loving father flowing in and through me. And I believe that there is a grace for us this morning to step back into that. Everyone um, remembers um, Billy Graham, um, an amazing evangelist in America who led millions to the Lord. And um, as, he, as he went into retirement, he had a pastor um, that would pastor him, and he um, would go and preach his sermons on a Saturday to Billy before he preached them on a Sunday to his congregation. And he... Um, after the pastor had given this message to um, Billy, he said, Billy, do you remember what I've just preached? And Billy said, no. And he said, this is the same message that you preached many years ago um, at a crusade where thousands upon thousands of people gave their lives to the Lord. And you, you need to remember that. I think I hear that when Billy was in his like later years, Billy Graham, he very, very rarely spoke. He very, very rarely talked. But when he heard what the pastor had said to Billy, Billy did the same thing that people always said that whenever they got to talk to Billy and they said thank you for what he had done, Billy raised his hand as he was congratulating him, honoring him, and he would say these four words. It was all him. It was all him. It's all about Jesus. It's all about what he's done for us. It's all about his love for us right now. And that every single one of us is being invited to walk into this year, whether it's picking up the love that you've lost, whether it's continuing on the journey that you're on with him, that we are to put his love at the very first. The word, I mean, Anita preached for me. Let's put our love for him first and leave our opinions to the side. It's when you look back and you think about all the 
the mountains that you were facing a week, a month, years ago, decades ago, they were mountains. Now they're speed bumps. You say, oh, there's no way I'm going to get through this. And you did. There's no way I could, I could go through the level of pain that I'm feeling right now. But you did. Because he sustained you. He loved you. He carried you. And he is doing the very same thing right now to all of us. And we have to come off our perch of, we need to be strong people. Be mature. Yeah, but he says, come to him like children in acknowledgement, in true humility, knowing that I need him and nothing else. I just need him. There were, when I was writing this message, I, there was just a few, um, there was a few people that came to me while I was writing. It was the, first it was the image of the story of Jonah that I just see that there are people here today um, in the building or online that the last thing that the Holy Spirit that Jesus asked you to do was to follow him and you've been running in the opposite direction. And I'm, I'm here to remind you that he is your loving father and that he wants to give you the desires of your heart. But you have to give him your heart first. To give him yourself. The other is there are people online and there are people here this morning who um, are carrying, um, you're called to the marketplace, you're either running your own business or you're, you've, um, God's spoken to you about business and you're working out whether to go into it or not, you, you feel called in the job that you're doing and you're serving an employer, you're serving a business, um, you may be... Um, Whatever it is you're carrying, I just felt like the Lord's saying is that for the, the, the gifts and, and skills and the promises I have for you in your business, it was never to overtake your first love for me. And that where the world shows you what true success is in the marketplace, it is a lie. And that we are called to move in the opposite spirit and to be the most carefree, stress-free business owners on the planet. That there is a weight of pressure that is coming on the world when it comes to finances. It's the spirit of mammon. And that he is calling us to be like Jesus and smile through the storm. And that if you give the Lord your business, your idea, the boss you work for, the company you're working for, if you yield it to him, you give it to him, he's going to restore joy again. And that it ultimately, he is the one that holds it all together. This is about a call. I mean, this is a corporate altar call for our hearts to be soft and tender again towards him. Wherever we walk into this year, however you walk out today, I, this is an opportunity for you to reconnect with the love of the Father again to connect back with the love of God because the words that Jesus was saying to the first churches, I love what you're doing. You're doing amazing things. Lots of stuff going awesome, but you don't even know that you've lost my heart. That's how busy you are. That's how 
you've lost focus from me. You think you're with me, but you have fallen so far, I'm not near you. It's time to return to our first love, church. I'm going to pray for you, and I'm going to invite you, if you want to stand, sit, come to the front, run out these doors, you are free to do so. But, Holy Spirit, that you would bring everybody to you. Holy Spirit, that you would bring everybody to the place, Jesus, that you know where to walk as a son and a daughter, hand in hand. Father, we repent where we have lost sight of your love. We repent where we have carried on our business and left you behind. We turn away from that thinking and we come back to you. Where would we be without you? Father, help us to return to our first love. Give us grace to return to doing things, the things that we did when we got saved. Father, would you provoke the quiet times of prayer and worship that all of us have dipped in and out of through our time, Lord? Would you burn that passion for you in us again? Lord, that we would run to the meetings that we gather in because we know that you're there. We run home because we know that you're there. We know that you're in our cars, in our works, in everything that we do. You are there. God, give us a fresh hunger for your word again. Give us boldness to witness and tell others about what you've done in Jesus' name. Amen.